I think we did it. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I'm just curious. What are you, uh, how are, how are you doing mama? How are you? Well, honestly, seasonal depression is a thing. Not saying that's what I have, but here in the Midwest, the sun is shining. The snow is melting. <laughs> I feel, uh, oh my God. I walking outside with just a light jacket right now <laughs> Every year I forget that that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Queermo cast where we are currently awakening into springtime. <laughs> Hello everyone. <laughs> I know it is so nice to have spring. Mm. And I'm seriously right now thinking like do I need to move to a more southern climate? <laughs> <laughs> um just look up what insects and other poisonous/venomous things they have there and let that be your guide. That uh. is true. <laughs> Camping in Wisconsin and the worst thing I'm worried about is like ticks. Um, you do camping gotta be worried Tex- about that. <laughs> camping in Texas, I'm like, well, a snake's gonna just bite us in our sleep and we'll die. And, and that'll be that. <laughs> Although, why are we camping in Texas? We'll get I don't it. know. <laughs> I don't. By camping, I mean we're at like a Motel 6. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, By the way, everybody, I'm KJ. Hello. Lovely to see you all. Pronouns they, them. And I'm Shim Sham. Pronouns they or he. And welcome. We're queermo casting as we speak. We are. We're trying a new new system. I don't know if it's going to work. We'll find out when it goes to edit. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's it's so true, though, because recently... Um, I feel like every winter I start the winter, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm going to get through this. This is all going to be fine. And then we have the holidays. Yule happens. We get the, the, the winter solstice, New Year's, even like to a lesser extent, kind of Valentine's Day. And then we have that weird period of time from like the, the second or third week in February until like Ostara. And the spring equinox and the first day of spring. And it's like, this is just where we are forever. We're never going to escape. It's going to be winter forever. And we're all, we're all doomed. (laughs) I know. And this winter, I really had set goals of, because winter can be fun. You can go snowshoeing, you can Mm -hmm. go skiing. Um, If you dress for it, it's nice to walk out in the winter. So I really had some goals of enjoying winter. And the stress of work and just, like, exhaustion got the better of me. And so I started doing that thing where um, every time you go outside, you didn't dress war- for it. So you just run into your heated car. You're just, like, got to get out of this cold. <laughs> get me the hell out of here. No, I, I'm feeling that so hard. But we are experiencing lovely springtime. Um, the last, the last couple of days today is, I have the window open right now next to me. I'm getting an air from outside. I know. The window open. The window's open. I don't know what kind of, (laughs) (laughs) what kind of program? No, it's, no, I'm just, I'm, I am. I do feel like I'm coming alive a little bit more. I, uh, one of my students, families yesterday, I wore this really, uh, this this dress that comes right down to about my knees, Ooh. and I usually wear it with leggings. And I was like, I don't want to wear it with leggings. I just want to wear this dress. It because I I overheat in my studio. It's chilly outside, but then inside the studios there is there's not a lot of ventilation in terms of like moving the heat around. So the heat stays inside of our closed door rooms, these tiny little rooms that we're in, and then the front entryway where the uh, family sit is freezing uh, <laughs> all winter. So, but yeah, by I was just sick of it because by the time I'm done teaching five, six hours of sitting in that room, I'm just hot and sweaty and gross. So I was like, no, I don't want to. So I I just wore, wore the dress, no leggings, which is 
uh, a, a new trend I'm trying for the springtime. Ooh. And, uh, uh, and they were like, wow, you just look like you are ready for spring. I'm like, it's already here. Winter, I've never heard of her. <laughs> well, that that's good. That's like positive feedback, right? Mm-hmm. I have a couple of families who are really, really, really um, like super on board. I have one family reach out to me on Instagram. Almost over nicing you? Yeah, not, I, I, in this case, not over nice. Okay. In this case, like... I sometimes get the feeling, and they might listen to this, so, um, but, but, but I do sometimes get the feeling that, like, if I weren't teaching their children, like, we would, like, maybe be friends. Oh, um, God. That, you know what I mean? That, that type of personality. We're like, we get along in that way. We're like, we understand mm-hmm. there's a professional relationship here, but also, like, we're both adults who understand that, like, the world keeps on turning. Like, you do know what you I mean? like, shave your legs? Um, sometimes it depends upon how I'm feeling that week. Like right now, yes, they are. I wanted to, I wanted to do it partially because I want to get a little bit of just vitamin D on every inch of skin I possibly can when I'm outside. (laughs) Um, and any barrier to that body hair or otherwise has got to (laughs) go because I haven't had natural vitamin D for four months. (laughs) So I'm ready. Because that's the thing with like queer fashion is that, um, you're 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 combating all of the norms of society. So, uh, if 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 you are clocked as male and wearing a dress, then it's also like, well, then did you also shave your legs? Because then wearing a dress with hairy legs, it it's all sorts of like in your head. I I don't mm-hmm. know if you go through that, but like. Just do I do it this way or this way or this way or this way? Yeah. Some weeks are better than others. Um, Some weeks I'm like, I don't care. And like my beard has grown completely back in and I'm still like putting on full beat. Um, And I'm wearing like clothing that shows off the fact that like, no, I haven't shaved my arms. I haven't shaved my, my, my legs. I haven't shaved anything. And sometimes I'm like, I don't shave because I'm like, I only shave when I want to. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to put it that way. And sometimes I'll do it every couple of days, and sometimes it'll be, like, three or four months. And my biggest problem, and it's the same problem I have with everything, is oftentimes two days after I make a decision, I'm like, well, now I want to make the other one. But you can't make hair grow back faster. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had my hair back. Um, that's just how I always am. <laughs> Greener pastures. So what are we talking about today? Today, I thought it would be fun. So our last episode, we talked about current events. We talked about <laughs> the world around us. And you know what? I agree we should talk about that as much as we possibly can. But I also thought it might be nice for us to take a little walk down memory lane and talk about some of the media that we intook as young queerlings as we were coming out. Specifically, some of the movies and television shows that we either watched in secret um, or <laughs> as a part of our identity as we were formulating that and also how it's changed. Because uh, one of the shows I know we're going to talk about is Will and Grace. And going back and watching the show now, as opposed to when we were growing up, it hits different. And a lot of it's still fun and funny. And a lot of it also, I'm like, huh, 2002 was a wild time. Uh- <laughs> I know. We've talked about this many, many times. And I think I always love talking about it because... Media for us is so influential. And we've talked about this, too, how, like, I feel like in America, (laughs) we didn't (laughs) grow up with um, necessarily, like, stories told to us by our parents or something. Like, it was told to us through TV and movies. Mm -hmm. So fairy tales, we only know about because of Disney. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a whole separate episode that we do not have time for today. Right, Uh and so... (laughs) Media is just a huge part of American culture, and it's so influential. And um, I don't want to overhype how the importance of media, but at the same time, we consume it so much. And representation does matter. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I always like to remind myself. Everybody else can have the opinion that they have about some of the things we're going to talk about, particularly because a lot of things we're going to talk about were incredibly white incredibly heteronormative even though they were queer um at the time we were kind of taking whatever queerness we could get from the small amount of resources we had we could go to blockbuster or premiere video or family Ooh. video if you're nasty <laughs> and <laughs> head on 
head on down to that one little crusty corner that was hidden underneath a light that was flickering for the three gay films that they had. And they Mm -hmm. were always, yes, thin, white, conventionally attractive, cisgendered white gay dudes, right? Like, Like nine out of ten times, or that's who it was. Yeah, exact. I mean, that's the thing is like, there's still not enough gay male representation. But within the subculture of queerness, which is very broad, um, gay men, gay white men are overrepresented, even though they're still <clears throat> underrepresented, which is exactly. like such a, it's like such a funny I don't know what you even call that thought process or <laughs> I mean sure why not sure, um sure. yeah and you know we and then also we we had the library again where we're at the behest, uh, at the like whim of whoever's running the content at the library so yeah there were movies there that's how I got my first glimpse, glimpse of Rocky Horror Picture Show and the librarians never checked the rating on any of the things I checked out cuz I was such a scrupulous very polite, well-spoken young child, apparently. <laughs> um, I just was able to, like, rent things that typically they would have been like, you're not old enough for that. I apparently was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, it, but we didn't have a lot of access to whatever else was out there. So we are going to very specifically just kind of zooming out for a second so we can zoom back in Uh, because we are a left-leaning podcast. (laughs) Uh, We we do want to make it clear. A lot of things we're going to talk about are the things that were available to us in our small Midwestern town, which was incredibly white, incredibly heteronormative, very religious, right? Like we're, we, we were growing up in an area where will and grace was salacious to a lot of people. It was Which, beyond. And then th- this will be interesting because <laughs> you and I had very different experiences growing up. Um, I watched Will and Grace in middle school and high school, not really realizing that it was that salacious. I think, um, well, I guess we'll leap into the first one, maybe talk about Will and Grace. I mean, I think that for the two of us, that's one of the things that we bonded over. It was one of the first queer things we ever watched together. Um, some, something that was on its face queer. We watch subtext together, but (laughs) that's different. And I think one thing Will and Grace did, which is a weird, I think now I don't, I wouldn't even have this conversation, but back then I feel like there was a, and maybe this conversation still happens, but back then I felt like there was a conversation of, um... Jack being this over-the-top gay, and that's how people said it. <laughs> that's how people say it in the Midwest. They call oh, you yeah. a gay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the um, word's over-the-top. <laughs> right. And then Will being... And so there, there being this attitude at the time of... People loved Jack. He was so funny. But kind of this attitude of... I think people wanted gay people to be like Will, to be straight acting, to be heteronormative, but they have sex with men. And so there was kind of this thought process, even though everyone loves Jack because he's so funny, Mm -hmm. there was kind of this thought of, why wouldn't you be like Will? Like, why do you have to be like Jack? I just remember that kind of discussion happening People feeling like that it's a choice to change your entire personality and who you are. Well, and, and, and assuming, yeah, exactly. Assuming that, like, you made the choice in the first place to have the personality you did. Um, and that's really, yeah, no, seriously. I remember, we used to say this all the time. The show should just be called Jack and Karen, not Will and Grace. Because half the time, you're, like, over Will and Car- Will, Will and Grace's storyline, and you're like, I want to know more about what's going on yeah, with the flamboyantly gay oh. man and the alcoholic rich socialite. <laughs> like, I'd rather find out about what's going on over there. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, for me, it was a show that was on network television, so it was easier for me to get away with watching it. Did I watch it? on the television with my parents in the same room? Absolutely not. I grew up in a conservative <laughs> Catholic household. Uh, that is that, that, that was just something that once I discovered it, it was around like seventh or eighth grade when I saw my first episode of Will and Grace. So that would have been seventh grade. That would have been 
2001, 2002-ish. So the show had been on for four or five seasons at this point. It was nearing, it it was in the middle of its run because it went Mm -hmm. for eight seasons, the original run of the show. And, uh, you know, I would catch episodes here and there. And yeah, it's a show with a laugh track. So it kind of trains you when you're supposed to laugh. There's a very specific cadence to NBC style sitcoms from that era. And they're a little stilted now. Sometimes you watch it, and because we have nostalgic pull for it, mm-hmm. like. But I would not try and sit somebody down who had never seen an episode of Will and Grace and isn't into network comedy, saying like, "You're gonna love this show." No, they won't. And there's a number <laughs> of reasons why they wouldn't. And I can say that now, knowing full well that also it kind of like reared me a little bit into my like queer identity in some way, shape, or form. Um, and I did identify with Jack, but in secret, because the show does kind of train you. Everybody should be striving to be like Will, except that Will is incredibly repressed. Will has a lot of problems with himself. Will has a lot of problems with the gay community on the whole. And those problems are mostly with the fact that Will has absolutely no idea who he really is. And that entire arc is him constantly trying to figure out, am I a corporate lawyer? Am I somebody who wants to try to help people? Am I going to make a good dad? Should I have a baby with Grace? Like, it's, it's all of these, like, big overarching narratives of like, I don't know who the fuck I am. And yet here's Jack super duper confident. I know who I am. I know exactly how, how I want to live my life. And that scares people when somebody is that outspokenly themselves and they have no, they're not apologetic about it. They're not like, I know I'm so much like in the Midwest, you're expected to be that way. If you are not like everybody else, you're expected to be uh, like uh, apologetic (laughs) about not being like everybody else. I know. And that's so funny hearing you say that because, yeah, when you really dissect this sitcom. (laughs) And I um, know that is what we're doing. Yes. Well, (laughs) because... And and it's true because I've watched it so many times that as a kid seeing it, you're not really digging that deep. Hmm. And now when you see it, you're absolutely right that psychologically Jack is much healthier than Will. Which is... And so... um, even though from maybe like a Midwest perspective at that time, people, uh, Will was more um, tolerable because mm. he was so straight acting. But it, it actually kind of showed how being that way really screwed Will up. Again, Will is Will is just as much of a walking stereotype. Just like Grace is also a walking stereotype of the Jewish person who doesn't practice the faith, faith but also is like, I'm Jewish, I'm Jewish recognize all the ways in which I'm Jewish, right? Like she, she, she's just as much of a walking stereotype, but they're all stilted and flawed in a lot of ways. And like slanted, slanted, not stilted, slanted and flawed in those ways. Um, and it's interesting that the characters that were not supposed to like identify with in, in certain ways are the ones that we identify the most with on that show. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes, there is a common enemy a lot of the time. Straight nonsense is a very, 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 very big part of the through line on that show. But uh, um, we just watched the episode. Do you remember? Do you remember the episode where Will has to lead the gay sensitivity training seminar for the NYC New York City Police Department, mm-hmm. and they get their their friends uh, from the kite shop, the lesbian <laughs> kite shop owners, and Will. The first thing that Jack says. Do you remember the first thing that Jack says? No. Starsky and Butch, they hate me. And you're like, (laughs) you're like, oh my God, we're already like specifically like salty gay white men who hate lesbians. Like, (laughs) okay. And yeah, they're all based in something real, but it's, it perpetuates things in a way sometimes where you're like, no, we could, we could move beyond this. (laughs) And it's so hard because in some ways, um, going with stereotypes help you identify quicker. Yes. Um, and are f- funnier to more people because they're like, oh, I, oh, I've heard of that stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but, and, and, and yeah, you're right. You're absolutely but right. But at the same time, when, um, when a community is super, super not represented, especially at that time, um... Anytime they had queer women in the show, very stereotypical, very much the butt of a joke. Um, 
and also Will and Grace now watching it very transphobic. Incredibly and, so. Incredibly so. And so <laughs> it's it's tough because it is a comedy and and with comedy, you know, a lot of it is jokes, but then at the same time, it's also how a lot of people feel in those jokes. So it's very hard. And I know when Will and Grace came back, they had a couple of seasons just recently. Um, they did a really bad job of trying to be <laughs> including people of color and trying to be more trans-inclusive because I think Grace had a uh, person of color assistant for, like, one episode. <laughs> and then they're like, it's not working. Let's get... And I think they just... Um, I think they just decided, let's go with our original formula. That's what worked. Um, and it was, and I think it was really popular among us who liked Will and Grace in the past. People who didn't watch Will and Grace back in the, back in the day, were not gonna, like, jump on board with this new reboot. Right. Like, <clears throat> people nowadays, there's so much better media for queer people and with broader representation that, um, you wouldn't watch Will and Grace now, for no. that because it's dated <laughs> um but uh but back in the day it was mainstream exposure that gay people existed and um and that's kind of huge because our parents generation uh basically didn't even talk about gay people so that's a huge transition yeah. <clears throat> Now, I'm trying to think of what another huge influential gay show would be for me back then. I know we've we talked about this a bit before. I ordered the movie Get Real. Um, and I ordered it online back when Amazon wasn't really a thing. And so <laughs> you ordering stuff through websites always felt really dicey back then. You go to this random website, you gotta borrow your mom's credit card. Without uh, <laughs> asking. <laughs> and um, so who those who don't know, Get Real is a British show about a British boy who is gay and he meets a boy, they're both in the closet but he comes out. And, of course, he comes out at, like, a school assembly, which is, like, the way to do it. <laughs> In a very melodramatic um, and fashion. Then, exactly. And the boy he's interested in is just not ready to come out. Uh, he's, like, a, I think a soccer player and just very popular. And it just was a much bigger risk for him to come out in his mind. And so that's what that show was. And so... I remember just loving that show because, A, lots of hysterical crying. Oh, oh my goodness. I love crying hysterically. And the, uh, <laughs> the uh, gay character's best friend, Linda, who's just this fabulous, curly-haired, just, just goddess, just beautiful. <laughs> and she has this amazing monologue where she tells off this asshole homophobe who's trying to, like, holler at her at a school dance. And he's, like, drunk and, like, I really like cuddly girls because she's she's fat and she knows it and she owns that. And if 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 this movie were made today, she'd be a fat activist and she would be killing at the game. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but she turns to him and she's basically, like, the best part is where she's, like, and then the main event, which would either be over in seconds or not at all because you can't get it up because you're too fucking pissed. And I was like, oh, that is amazing. <laughs> I just recently rewatched this movie about a year ago because my partner had never seen it. And it hits different today because I put myself back in like 11th grade when you first introduced it to me or like 11th grade, 12th grade, somewhere around there. You were late high school. Mm -hmm. I might have even been a freshman in college at the time. I'm not sure. I just remember watching it in my in, in my room at my parents' house. So I could have still been college. I moved home for about six months. It's so melodramatic and it's so much. And it's in, in all these ways that like people are so, like just so terrified of gay men in particular, like society at large. Um, It was all like foot tapping in bathrooms, anonymous sex in the woods and like all these, all these <laughs> pedophiles who are coming for you. And it's just like, 
Is there absolutely no way any of you in the back of your heads could imagine a queer person having any kind of positivity in their life? And and it's because, like, society at large, no. They really could not fathom that. So the movies and the television shows that we had were about trauma and about overcoming adversity and about, like, owning who you are while also having to accept that people aren't going to come on that journey with you and you just have to figure out how to move on. Yeah, and thinking about that, a lot of that stuff super unrelatable. I don't know the history of cruising, um, but no, I've never gone cruising. I know that was a thing <laughs> where maybe a certain park or something. I think uh, in our area, um, a certain rest stop was known as a cruising spot back in the day. But no, I would never... Yeah, I would never go to a park and like look for a hookup and no that's not relatable well and it's just not a part of like we also grew up in a slightly different era that movie was made in the late 90s i believe was when it was made or early 2000s was because it's also based off a play so this story had been written for yeah so i think cruising was mostly the 80s and earlier and maybe probably left over into the yeah, 90s and it still happens um, people still do it there's still plenty of people who are dl you know like d- discreet but we are children of the we internet, are children and of that the is internet. how we and we we grew up with manhunt <laughs> before grinder and and, and craigslist. craigslist um and like to a lesser extent occasionally you just get a weird email uh, <laughs> but it um yeah it I, I remember watching that movie when i was younger and just like curled up in a ball crying on the couch but also Ugh. one ear perked up because again one slight difference between the two of us is i could not be caught watching that movie so <laughs> and before i came out also um also didn't want my parents yes of course knowing yes, i'm yes, watching yes, it but you're right to a much different degree, whereas my parents didn't weren't going to condemn me to hell. Although I will say, before you come out and you're not sure how they're going to react, I didn't mean to diminish that because you're absolutely right. You never know. You don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And Absolutely. And no, I just – I remember like um, another, another great movie around that time that we would watch that I would borrow from you occasionally and uh, would just like – watch it really close to the TV with the volume turned all the way down, knowing full well at any moment someone could just walk down the stairs, was Short Bus. The movie... Yeah. John, John Cameron Short Mitchell's Bus. Short Bus was also one of... And Short... So Short Bus, they sold it at Best Buy, which Yeah, which is was, which was amazing. kind of astonishing for the time. Um, Because if anyone hasn't seen Short Bus, it's about, it's got multiple storylines. There's um, a sex therapist who can't, uh, who's a cisgender woman who can't have an orgasm (laughs) or who she hasn't had an orgasm. Um, And she's pre orgasmic. (laughs) And she's pre orgasmic. Um, then there is a gay couple who wants to talk about opening up the relationship. Um, I think I'm forgetting some storylines, but mixed in in all of this is it a is it a club? Is it a group of just a group so of people? So it's a it's it's a nightclub, <clears throat> and yeah. Justin Bond, who is a real person, um, who, who runs the club in the movie. I know they are um, so wonderful. They they again. Not trivializing, it's a joke, but it's also a joke that doesn't always read well in a lot of circles. Justin's line is, "This is you've heard of the big yellow bus? Well, this is the short bus for the sexually gifted and challenged. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, I know what you're referencing, and it's kind of inappropriate. But at the same time, it works as a in a weird euphemism-y kind of way. That stuff is hard, because a lot of times groups like all identifying as we ride the short bus um is can be offensive to people who are cognitively delayed or um, needed special education that sort of thing but it's kind of like groups of people who like reclaim the term fag mm-hmm. faggot <laughs> i can't even say it right because i never say that word Were you but to um pronounce it like bag <laughs> big oh fag God. um oh <laughs> but uh it's like re 
Anytime you reclaim, I identify as queer, and that is still yeah. offensive to people. So it, I always struggle with that because I, I, I love what that they call it short bus, but you're absolutely right. That could also be very offensive to groups. Well, of people, and it's also so. it's it's just one of those things. Like it's also written by John Cameron Mitchell, a cis white man who. Has in the Mm -hmm. past, as much as I love John Cameron Mitchell's work, has also in the past been of that subset of mostly cis white men or like cis leaning John Cameron Mitchell. How do you really decide to define gender? But like, I think at the time would have said that they identify as, you know, a man um, in a lot of ways. Um, Writing, writing this line that also like references a community that he's not a part of. But again, utilizing yeah. the fact that I am a queer person, I I I am gay, I'm marginalized, so I can make those jokes, kind of. And again, we've seen through the the activism bubble of the last like five years that no, you don't always get to just because you're marginalized in one way doesn't mean you get to utilize another another group's struggle and story for humor, right? Um, so that's <clears throat> so so again, right. like, love the movie, always will. The title does carry a little bit of it. It's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> like, and, yeah, it's it's ableist yeah, for sure. But at the same time, like they're trying to also make the statement that like a lot of us are sexually repressed, and a lot of us are sexually stunted. A lot of us are sexually like, um, not quote unquote, but again, not not uh, uh, like like sexually divergent in some ways. Um, and uh, yeah. and so this. So this movie has super big shock oh, absolutely. value because you, because you go and it's just a big room of people who are full naked, nothing censored. You see who's it's, you see what's it's, you see <laughs> who's it's and what's it's galore. <laughs> um, and 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 it's just all these people having sex with each other, and there's. It, it almost seems like the whole room is having some sort of interconnected. Yeah, sex. it's it, it is. It's, it's it's like yeah, it's it's and it's a very good. And movie. so definitely, um, so definitely being young, you were like, oh my god, this that was a huge something I'd never been exposed to before. And I, I mean, back in the day, in my early twenties, I struggled with the idea of is gay pride too in your face. At, there were times where I thought, like, gay pride parades were just, oh, it's kind of shoving it in people's faces. I don't know if I agree with that. And um, obviously, I don't think that. I love, I, I think, I don't think that at all anymore. But coming where I come from, I remember having that conversation, like, is this too over the top in your yeah. face? And so that internalized homophobia and queer phobia, a show like Short Bus really challenged that. And I think for me, it was just like really, just really good. Really well, and, and it's, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it romanticizes New York City. And of course, we always wanted to live in the city. We wanted to get out of our small mm-hmm. town and never look back. Um, thoroughly modern Millie. Uh, <laughs> another movie with some problematic undertones. Um, but it's it's uh, it, I I do remember watching it the first time with you and maybe Junko or Tiffany. Um, but it was it was a smaller group of us. This was more of a niche film. This wasn't like Reefer Madness where we watched it every every other weekend and we were just or like or even Will and Grace, which we would just sit down and watch episodes of on episodes. Um, this is one of those movies. This was a um, smaller, intimate gathering. Um, well, and since it is so explicitly mm-hmm. sexual, that is something you have to make sure the people you're going to watch it are with okay are with. Okay you cannot with. just show that film to people who are not expecting Because I did that. I just showed it to my college roommate. <laughs> oh, my God, Joe. That's right. You sat Joe down. You were like, you're going to watch this movie. <laughs> and... Uh, Looking back on that, I probably should have warned. Well, him. because the movie is not a porn, <laughs> but there is pornographic elements to it. Like it is, yeah. yeah. For sure. And again, like we want to make sure that we're being, you know, uh, we're being aware of people's boundaries <laughs> and, and and people's yeah. like specific, you know what I mean, comfort levels and. But of course, being young and in my twenties, I was like, "If you have a problem with this, you're well." Repressed. And that's the thing: we <laughs> pendulum swing, right? Especially when we're young and we're and we're trying to kind of figure some stuff out. We went from 
where where you were at you were like is gay pride too much to like it's never going to be enough right and, <laughs> and right the the truth and the reality will sometimes lie in the middle i think for for pride i think it definitely pendulum swings over to the other side and should just stay there like it's never enough um but but again i'm biased i have my own specific opinion about that um but movies like that really helped to swing us away from this like repressive uh like don't be too much don't be too much myself don't make people uncomfortable be be who you are but like could you like calm down a little bit um a kind of attitude that we were raised within and people that Mm -hmm. loved us and cared about us very much and had very very well-intentioned ideas about how they were trying to help us through our coming out would say things like that to us sometimes in a very well-meaning way that was ultimately detrimental to our ability to grow and blossom um and we forgive them (laughs) but it happened (laughs) right like so movies like this really really helped to kind of fight that so if we're talking about short bus, we should probably talk about Hedwig. Oh yeah, because Hedwig and the Angry Inch is also by John Cameron Mitchell. Now a like huge sensation stage stage Broadway show. Um, with the uh, original Hedwig on Broadway being played by Neil Patrick Harris. Um, which is funny because I. <laughs> discovered Hedwig after short bus. Which but that's partially because again, we have to dig for queer stuff. And it mm-hmm. was and short bus was newer, so it was more sensational whereas Hedwig came out early 2000s, early early mid 2000s? I think in, in, in the, the late 90s. 90s even. Okay. So yeah. uh, cuz so when it came out, we would have been too young. Mm-hmm. And so then after discovering Short Bus, that led us to And Hedwig. it's a musical, <laughs> but it's not really a musical. It's a rock show that has a story. Um, and it's about this person who you go, actually. I feel like you, you've, you've explained this really well in the past, what the, what the plot of this movie is. Oh. Well, now there's pressure. Because what, actually what <laughs> I was going to say is it's really weird. It's a weird show. I think I identified it with it because... Hedwig is basically non-binary, and and Hedwig is not necessarily trans because the story goes, um, Hedwig marries this American soldier and then gets this botched up um, gen. Well, I mean, normally I would call that a gender affirmation surgery, but in the context of this movie, is Hedwig getting uh, gender affirmation surgery just to marry the soldier to get out of um, East Germany? <laughs> it's very But it's weird. also, like, it's relevant um, to the time it takes place in. Very, very, very yeah. much so. Um, it speaks to a whole, a whole host of, like, historical issues that, again, we don't have the the capacity, the deep dive, or the time to get into. But, yeah. And so the name comes from this botched-up surgery, Hedwig is left with this angry yep. inch. So basically, um, doesn't have a vagina and doesn't have a penis. Just kind of genitals were mutilated with this surgery. And it's quite horrible when you yeah. think about it. And it's it. treated with as much nuances comedy can because it is it does have a lot of comedic elements to it it's supposed to kind of you're supposed to laugh with Hedwig instead of laughing at Hedwig Hedwig is in on the joke but then also Hedwig is kind of a monster (laughs) and treats treats Itzog terribly um yeah Hedwig is very um abusive to how do you say their name Itzog I believe is how you pronounce it Itzog Itzog Uh (laughs) <laughs> See, I don't, I don't remember because there's this um, trans masculine presenting person in the show in Hedwig's band, um, who what what play are they cast? Oh in? my goodness! I'm so, I don't know why I'm. Oh, was it Ren? The d- They're like gonna leave and go on this cruise. <laughs> yeah. And, anyway, um, sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. No, yeah, continue. But anyway, yeah. I think, I think I really identified with Hedwig because it. I would describe it just more as gender fuck then, because Hedwig is not necessarily trans, but they're definitely not cis, and um, Hedwig is such a flawed character that in some ways you love Hedwig because they were uh, they married the soldier and went to the United States, and then this they they were just left high and dry. Yep. Um, 
And so, and so, in some ways, Hedwig trying to get all this fame and glory back, you're really on board with them. But then Hedwig is kind of a horrible person. Yeah, (laughs) again, deeply flawed characters that you aren't sure sometimes whether or not to root for. Um, And what reasons are you not rooting for them? Right. Like, which is which makes for a compelling viewing experience in a lot of ways. And that was that was sort of the the, the turn that we took with a lot of our media. I feel like in our late high school, early college years, we definitely started to turn into more challenging uh, pieces of queer cinema. Yeah, I love a problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I love people who, who make us feel a lot of things, both like I want to root for you and also I feel icky rooting for you. (laughs) um it's uh it does it it makes it's it's a little bit more human a little bit more real because we're not always rooting for everybody all the time not everybody is a perfect person in fact no one is so it is it's it's a it's a really interesting and because like honestly my 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 first foray into like queer cinema would have been the rocky horror picture show um i was already into musicals and i had started checking out albums from the library in like fifth, sixth grade. Um, Cause you could just go and get a CD and <laughs> burn it onto your computer. And I learned how to do that. And I just went insane and started checking out, like I check out, I think the, 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 the limit at the time was like 10 CDs or 10, 10 media mm-hmm. items. You could do like five movies, five CDs, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I would just check out like two movies and then as many CDs as I could, um, whatever that limit was. And I remember, um, my sister did a dance. I really wanted to be in like competitive dance with my sister and my parents wouldn't let me. And they said it's because they didn't have the time or the money to have two kids doing it. And I was like, no, it's because you didn't want me to do it. Um, which is why I became show choir dance captain by the time I was a senior. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I checked out the Rocky Horror Picture Show because Casey's dance group did um, uh, the time warp from the new Broadway cast recording. And I had already heard some things from Rocky Horror but um, and also like seasons of love from rent, but seeing these performers dance to these songs, I was like, I need to have this music at home. And all I had were CDs. So I would just burn the albums and then I would burn like mixes of them to listen to in the shower. Because, uh, again, where else? I didn't have a car yet. I don't have, where else was I going to go? I had I had my little <laughs> Walkman. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But so I checked out the Rocky Horror Picture Show and I rem- that was one of those movies that I was like. That was one of the first times I was watching something with one eye on the screen and one eye towards the door to the basement. Like, <laughs> looking looking like fucking Courtney Act. Just eyes, two different directions. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, because Rocky Horror is weird, but then also, um, the, it, it, it probably one of the first times a man is very sexualized in some gold panties. Oh, especially and... in that kind of Technicolor. Um, like yeah. it was, he was gorgeous. And, yeah. And, and the, the movie itself, there are a lot of things in it. Like we do not use a lot of the words that are used in that show anymore. It's very, and it's also the person who wrote it is a super problematic individual. And yet at the same time, I go back and I watch it and I think this is, this really, really woke up something in me before I even had the words to describe it. And I was not out then. I didn't come out until I was 16 to even myself, 16, 17, somewhere in there. And, but like at the age of 13, 14, I'm watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show and just like entranced and loving it. Mm -hmm. And it's all these beautiful people, these 70s people, but also these bizarre characters with strange costumes and strange makeup. And it made me fall in love with like theatricality and theater. We didn't have a whole, um, I I wasn't able to do a lot of uh, musical theater until I was in high school. And... But I knew I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be involved with that. And uh, yeah, I just, I tried to show that movie in secret to as many people as I could. I sat my sister down to watch it with me and that was probably a bad idea. But at the the same time, like she was 12, I was 14, it's fine. Um, And, you know, I just, I remember watching it and thinking like, I identify with these people in a way that I cannot fully express. Like, I don't understand it. I don't get it, but I love this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I feel like 
you and I have, and I think a lot of queer people have always really identified with Halloween and just with weirdness and just love being weird. We love the weirdos. And so I feel like Rocky Horror really taps into that. And also, again, it's just like, it's everybody is like beautiful and it's just like, it was it was entrancing to me in a way that uh you know a lot of the other media that my 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 parents were having us watch really didn't like you know i was starting to curate my own personal taste and like frankly like action movies and football didn't like fit into that anymore like 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 yeah, yeah it, it it wasn't my thing anymore right uh i don't know if it ever really was cuz you, you don't children have a much better I, I work with them i i know this much about children they have a much better idea of what it is that they want than sometimes they're able to articulate but there is nothing that beats that moment where you're finally like i can articulate why i don't like this why i do mm-hmm. like this and why i don't like this and that was one of those first moments for me seventh ish grade where i was like no that's not for me anymore and here's why <laughs> and this is for me and i'm not going to tell you why because i don't yeah, and who played the lead? Was Tim it Tim Curry, Curry? as uh, Dr. Frankenfurter and uh, Barry <laughs> Bostic as Brad, who was just like so of that era, just like like beautiful mm-hmm. for that era. I cannot remember the name of the man who played Rocky, but he was so hot but so dumb they took all of his lines away. Um, he doesn't have any lines <laughs> in the movie. Um, you know what I mean? It's just, and again, I just I, I feel compelled to point out. What was available to us at the time? A lot of very conventionally attractive Hollywood white people. You know, that is who was mm-hmm. available to us at the time. Yeah, everything we talked about is super, super white. I think, yeah, Will and Grace, Get Real, Short Bus, Hedwig. <laughs> yeah, everything we've talked about is very and, white. And it's, again, it's because, like, power and privilege still are, are, are still intersectional. So yes, you're queer, yeah, but you also are white. So you're able there's there's some agency there to to make to create your thing, and also get it distributed in a way that it might not have been cap- uh, capable for people from lower economic classes, from different uh, from uh, people of color, like f- women writers and directors, <laughs> like gender nonconforming writers and directors, like. Mm. I think some of the I think the most progressive queer people are probably people of color and um i think paris is burning was my first exposure to queer people of color and when you see that movie you're like why are we not talking about this all the time when you learn about queer culture and specifically queer people of color's culture it's so where i feel like most of queer culture stems from and it's just so exciting and you're just uh, it's totally underrepresented still and and that's that like it's it's tough now because now it's like okay what wh- where where are we heading now right what's next because we really we we do we want to However, however much time we all have on this rock in the middle of this, in the middle of this like swirling mass of everything and nothing, um, like what do we want to do to like make this to, to to push things forward? And I know that there are shows on right now that are really trying to do that. I'm I still have not sat down to watch it because I haven't in, intaken a whole lot of new media recently. But I really want to sit down and watch Euphoria. I've heard that it is not only like super queer, but it also has a very diverse cast. Um, that is of interest to me. Um, mm-hmm. I want you know to, to to watch a diverse cast that actually like cares about queer issues. Um, that sounds amazing. I'm not really interested in like the reboot of How I Met Your Mother. I'm sorry, Hillary Duff, um, or How, How I Met Your Father. <laughs> you know, like. Um, but are, are you watching anything right now that you're like this is sort of feeding? my need for like queer uh like like queer cinema queer well media. i am in love with pose oh and, how did i miss pose oh uh and i watched the, i binged the first two seasons and i just loved it pose is um it the the style very much reminds me of like rent or something the way they did the movie rent not necessarily the play and uh 
Um, I just, I love it. It's so emotional. It hits on so many topics that I can identify. Because I'm an alcoholic in recovery. Very much they talk about drugs and addiction. So many trans and queer people on that show. Um, and it's basically all people of color, um, which is awesome. And it's super overdramatic. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's, it's still very- a Ryan Murphy show. But I love, that's so what I love. And then I'm on season three, so I'm not done with it We yet. haven't watched season but, three yet. Um, that's, that's another thing that's on the list. But Blanca is going to become a nurse, and I'm a nurse, so I'm just like, ugh, nursing saves another queer person. Because <laughs> <laughs> even though nursing is challenging, it's such a good, it, it's caring for other people. And I think a lot of queer people are drawn to that because when you're marginalized, I think you want to help others. Yeah, absolutely. And you want to be a part of working with other people. And mm-hmm. I think one thing that to kind of, kind of uh, bring us in for a landing as it were in some okay, ways, let's land. Um, I, one thing that all of these things sort of helped me realize throughout all the years is that I want to work with people in part because a, I am, a person that enjoys working with people in a lot of ways until the exact moment that I don't anymore. Um, <laughs> but for the most part I do. And I kind of wanted to be the person that, that does their best every day to live as authentically as I can to make it clear that like we're here, not only are we queer, but we're also like living as like as best as we can living our lives as happily as we can, as joyfully as we can, as authentically as we can, and having characters that in some way, shape, or form, whether I could, like, really identify with them or not, like, really, really helped. And, like, Jay and I yesterday, I I mentioned this before we started recording, I completely forgot to bring it up, Jay and I yesterday decided we really wanted to rewatch another gay movie, which is the opposite of everything we just talked about. It is a... I know, that's so funny. We totally forgot to talk about that one. It is a shitpost of a movie uh, that basically is a bunch of gay people parodying straight coming-of-age movies. It parodies American Pie, not another teen movie. Um, Like, all, all of these films. And it... It does so in a way that at times borders on like too much is not the word, but like they're 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 doing the most and doing a lot for a cause. They're doing it on purpose. It leads into occasionally um like stereotypes of uh, again groups of people that the movie is not about. Where where you're like we maybe shouldn't make that joke about Asian people. No 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 no. Why are we doing that? Um, they also cut a couple of jokes from the director's cut. Uh, they, they, they realize they're like, if we're redistributing this, that joke can't be in there. Um, so to their credit, they did at least realize that some things just didn't need to be out there anymore. Um, but it is, it is a fun romp of a movie of just like queer people being like, yeah, we're also doing that. (laughs) Only here are all of the barriers and obstacles to us doing that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, yes, mostly white, mostly cis, except Nico. Uh, but also like a diverse cast of people, just a lot of them are, are a part of the movie. They don't have a lot of lines. Um, but it was a veritable who's who of like the queer comedy scene at the time. Um, and again, it was very much like, yeah, if we, if we make all of these straight stereotypes with queer people, do you see how stupid this is? This is stupid. Like, like (laughs) this is dumb. And we should be able to treat it like it is. This is dumb. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we're going to have some fun with that. And I I can appreciate it on that level. You know? There's a lot of... Yeah. <laughs> what an important film. <laughs> I'm not defending it as a piece of, like, incredible, like, like queer cinema. But it serves a purpose that I think, mm-hmm. until I saw that movie, I didn't realize that queer films didn't have to be about suicide and dying of diseases and... Hey, and you know what I mean? Dying, uh, just dying, like dying inside, dying, 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 dying. Someone yeah. dies in almost every single queer film or a part of them dies or a dream dies. And it was just really, really interesting to watch this queer film that was filmed in the brightest colors. That was also about these 
for these four again queer dudes nico probably would identify as non-binary or genderqueer or gender fuck somewhere in there but it's it's four dudes who are trying to get laid before they go to college which again where have we seen that film before because <laughs> um, yeah it's a mess of a movie and it's not like required viewing for everybody it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea um but it is a piece of cinema that once again like it encompasses all of the things many of the things i should say that i think are missing from a lot of the queer cinema that we intook as teens um well right because at the time there are all these movies like scary movie and epic movie these really dumb comedies and so i think it was just finally like a gay version of exactly that. and how would gay people like handle this and the the, the yeah. reality is is that if you shop for shot remake certain scenes you start to realize it's like yeah why <laughs> why <laughs> and there's a reason that there haven't been a ton more mm-hmm. um but yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see some I like I'm I'm excited to watch post season 3 and sit down and watch Euphoria. And also there's there are a ton of movies we did not touch on that we have watched that look at a wider scope of queer experiences outside of like thin conventionally attractive like cis white men. Um and and to yeah, what we've mostly talked about too is um like fictional stories that also have a high entertainment value because there's also um, documentaries like we were here and stuff like that, um, that talk about, about the AIDS epidemic and all this stuff that are also super important pieces of like my queer education. So media is just such a huge, and the music, we didn't even talk about like music and that's a whole separate entity. We're going to have to do an entire episode about that, but no, I just, I, I felt compelled to say that because a, like there's always a little part of me that's like, I know, (laughs) I know, but there's also a, a part of me that that's like, that's that's the reality of the time period and the area that we were growing up in. And I was so excited mm-hmm. when the internet kind of like blossomed and we were able to find things beyond that. But that was later. That was when I was junior, senior in college. And um, there's a whole new subset of things that I discovered like right before the pandemic started that and, and during the pandemic that I that I was like, I finally have like time and capacity to intake some of this really amazing cinema that also speaks to where my identity is now and Mm. outside the realm of like this very narrow idea of being queer that helped me in a lot of ways. But also I think we've both talked about this before sometimes stymied us in being able to figure out who we really were because the representation we had were like will and will is exactly the opposite of the type of person we want to be. We have zero interest in being heteronormative. I am not a man and I have no instant. I have, I have no reason to like, defend like my manhood like will feels the need to to like no. fit in with the boys i would like to be able to afford that apartment, well wouldn't though. we all <laughs> um especially in the area that they lived in what the actual oh. fuck um yeah. but but at, but at the same time i can still sit down and watch it because it is a part of like the journey that we went on and yeah a closing thought mama i'm gonna throw it over to you oh just i know closing thoughts are tough um, just, I always love this topic. We could do 20 episodes and on maybe this because, because <laughs> I love movies. I've always been such a fan. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I guess, I, I guess that's all. I'm glad we talked about the ones we did because those, uh, were kind of just my first, uh, exposure to a lot of queer things and, um, and got me down that rabbit hole of like a like a movie that was necessarily maybe like a comedy or something with like I said a high entertainment value that eventually got me down the path of learning about serious queer issues and um and for that I just I'm glad those I'm glad those films exist that they exist and that they were there for us and that sometimes they're there as like a weird tear-filled warm hug <laughs> yeah occasionally um and well that was i'm 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 ha- i'm happy with the way that that uh with with that went we uh yeah. we 
we really d- like we we could we could talk about this forever and have been talking mm-hmm. about it for two decades now uh, and, <laughs> and will, will. <laughs> um but you know i'm i'm excited for, for for the next time we decide that like nope we got to talk about media again because yeah. queer media has really mattered in our lives and will continue to matter mm-hmm. and you know i'm attempting to create queer media right now so it's like it's interesting to see how to rehash like oh i'm referencing this thing that i haven't thought about in years but it's it's in here and it will always be in here somewhere um so big part of our experience so well <laughs> well i think we'll end with a with a cheers <gasps> and since indeed. it was just saint pat's <laughs> we 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 can we can it with oh, each other oh oh <laughs> <laughs> as we're both drinking non-alcoholic things like water and uh, soda love it <laughs> and a soda, and a soda. <laughs>